Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Ask the Therapist. It's lovely to have you here. My name's Sarah Rees and in this episode I'm talking with Peter Evans, who's actually one of my clients. He came to see me a number of years ago now, initially for cognitive behavioural therapy, but over a number of sessions we realised that there might be other techniques that I offer that might also incorporate it in with the CBT might be helpful. So we incorporated CFT, which is compassion focused therapy, and EMDR, which is eye movement desensitisation reprocessing. So lots of information about CFT and EMDR are on my website, but I'll say a little bit about compassion-focused therapy, CFT. Um, It was introduced by um, and developed by Professor Paul Gilbert, who's over at Derby University. And he was a CBT therapist, and he realised that not everybody gets well with CBT, Although it's, you know, one of the most effective evidence-based therapies out there, there's not one therapy that's going to be right for everybody. And Paul Gilbert looked into why some people don't benefit from CBT. And what he found is that people who have a very um, critical inner dialogue, so a very strong self-critic, and who may struggle with shame, because their internal world is quite a hostile place, You can help people change their thoughts, but the way they interpret them and the way they hear their thinking in their head is very hostile. So that maintains different forms of anxiety and depression. So compassion-focused therapy is helping people understand a bit more how their brains work. Um, It's helping people understand how they can train their minds to be more compassionate towards themselves and other The definition of compassion is around helping people, um, it's kind of based on two psychologies, one is turning towards difficulties that we have uh, or there are in the world and then the second psychology is around learning to alleviate difficulties and, and struggles. So learning what we struggle with and then having the wisdom to train our minds in a way to alleviate our, our struggles in a nutshell but I've written a blog about it and that can be found on my website and EMDR eye movement desensitization reprocessing is a form of therapy um, that's in the NICE guidelines for the treatment of trauma It's likely that it will expand out to help people with different phobias and anxieties. But it's there to help people if we struggle with past memories or emotions that are still playing out in our lives today. So things that we may have struggled with from the past through undertaking a series of eye movements while recounting memories or emotions, you can kind of process the memory so it settles down. So a past memory that might be playing out in your life now and causing a lot of distress, we can actually work on that memory so that you can't forget it, but it doesn't hold the emotional intensity that it it once did. So our past doesn't have to be influencing what's going on in our lives now. And again, there's lots of information on EMDR um, on my website. It's quite a new therapy. They both are new therapies. Um, and the you know extremely helpful there's lots of cbt therapists that once you're trained in cbt for a while we kind of do other bits of training to enhance our our practice and and those are two of the trainings that um, i've undertaken 
So Pete has written a blog for me um, and around kind of mental fitness, which I, I will link to in the show notes. I highly recommend you go and take a look at that. He really believes that mental fitness is the same as physical fitness, which I totally agree with. And we really should see our mind health in the same way as we see our physical health and take our minds to the gym now and again. So Peter has been on a journey of real self-discovery and development and he's been rewarded with the benefits and from this experience he shares his journey today in not only the useful blog that he's written but during this podcast he's going to talk through what's made the most impact for him along his journey. It's full of valuable ideas and I know you're going to get a lot of um, value out of this episode shares a lot of concepts and and resources as well so it really is um he's going to talk you through his his journey from coming to therapy to where he is now i hope you enjoy so we'll start um so can you just first introduce us yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey cool okay so um name is peter um and uh a little bit about myself, uh, I work as a business consultant, um, which means I work with lots of clients doing uh, sort of solving different problems and helping them to, to introduce new technology, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've got two daughters who have both graduated this year, um, and my journey, hmm, interesting. I think the answer to that is probably quite different than it would have been about a year or two ago in terms of my understanding of the journey. Yeah. I think for a long time I didn't realise that I had this kind of um, kind of umbrella over my head. I kind of maybe realised it was there but didn't quite know how to get through it. And I think the journey has been around recognising that's there um, and then recognising there's, there's actually something I can do about it. And so now having done a lot of work over the last three or four years, actually now I've seen a slightly different outlook so yeah that kind of summarizes it do you remember your first ever therapy session with myself right well first of all to to be absolutely clear my first session with you wasn't my first therapy therapy so So what was you doing to go back to your first ever therapy let me tell you the story yeah um yeah so the the previous sort of started really when uh, i was going through um my divorce back Mm. in about 2004 um, and quite interestingly what the counsellor that we were seeing the sort of the divorce counsellor yeah. very quickly said to us was that she wouldn't actually deal with us if I didn't get separate one-on-one therapy oh dear. because she yeah <laughs> it's like oh right okay um, she recognised that there wasn't I didn't have this, a normal support network right which was kind right. of again okay Quite interesting given some of the stuff subsequently so right. she insisted that I went and had sort of separate sort for of, support extra support yes and, exactly yeah. and and that was kind of useful yeah but it was it was useful because you know you can imagine things were pretty manic at that stage and it was mm. quite good for that but what I recognize now is I didn't really get to the to the I remember saying at the time, there's, there's like, there's a root cause to some of this stuff, mm. and the root cause isn't just about a divorce. It's it goes a bit deeper. It goes than that. deeper, and 
I can sort of vaguely remember at the time, not sort of going, actually, don't do that, don't go back, just kind mm. of deal it from, from way, but anyway, whatever, we didn't do it. Subsequent to that, um, I haven't forgotten the question, <laughs> I will get to, 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 yeah. to how we got together in, in a moment. Subsequent to that, I had several sessions of what I kind of recognised was something that was missing and I needed some help, but what I did, I think I geared it around more like sort of business coaching, thinking it was right, more okay. behavioural. Yeah. And the conclusion of that was actually that none of it worked. Right. Um, okay. and that must have been very frustrating. It was. It was. Yeah, yeah. It's frustrating for several reasons because you know one you take the plunge to do something and then you yeah. also have some faith that you know somebody's actually going to be able to help and you kind of invest sort of a degree of emotion and time yes, and money yeah. and then you kind of realise that and I think lots of people have that experience that it can take a few kind of therapists to get the right person or to kind of you know and you had a lot going on in your life didn't you when you first went if you were going through a divorce that's a uh, hell of a lot in the here and now isn't that, it that, yeah I mean at the time that was, <clears throat> was one of those kind of fairly pivotal moments mm. um, and you know so I think there were a lot of things going on around in the background, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I think you, you kind of, you don't recognise everything that's going on. Yeah. And you almost, you know, you solve the symptom of an issue. But I think in retrospect, and I might not have been able to spot this at the time, whilst you sort of address a symptom, mm. you, if you don't get to the root cause, then you don't necessarily, yeah. you know, actually resolve the whole thing. You just... Mm. It's kind of like it's a massive, great sticking plaster. And were you than. able to recognise that at the time? I think I knew. I think the amount of churn that was going on at the time meant mm. it was kind of maybe slightly difficult. I think I recognised that there was. I always kind of felt there was some, you know, like the the holy grail. There was right. something that I needed to get to. Yeah. But I wasn't quite sure what it was. Right. So. Um, and you know there were things that you know it's one of the, uh, the, the the things that's in the blog about you know if you'd asked mm. me what the problems were here's some stuff I'd have trotted out, yeah. But actually, I think I trot out a different set of things now. So, you know, yeah, there was a problem. I didn't quite understand how to articulate it, mm. um, and I needed somebody to help with that. So all of the the business coaching was primarily around the the stuff around the outside so it's right. around behaviour and goals is that a lot about goals where are you now where do you want to get to a lot yeah I yeah. mean I, I remember having quite a conversation with a guy that I knew through work who was, was was very keen to sort of develop a sort of a closer sort of business coaching relationship yeah but it was all about goals and the person you want to be and, and my my sense at the time was actually before I get to the where I want to be, I've got to actually work out the like the fundamental failure in the operating system. Right. And if you know, sort out the operating system, then I start from a a position where I can actually do that kind of business stuff. So the timing actually was my my sort of conversation with Matt was actually I don't think I'm quite ready for you. Yeah. Actually coincided with the point in time when actually I kind of got introduced to you. Right. And, and so the whole purpose was, okay, let's just shift tack. Mm. Let's say there is this holy grail that I need to go and get my hands on. Yeah. Let's do something about that. So 
so that's it's quite it. a brave thing to come to therapy, especially as a man, isn't it? Did you did um, you feel that, or were you just are you just very open to all this? You know? I'm probably reasonably open. Right. I've probably got. I've probably been through enough to sort of think actually, you know, there really might be something here. So right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't kind of wear the t-shirt saying that's what I was doing. Yes, um, right. You know, you kind of sneak up to your front door and sort of make sure nobody's looking on it. No, <laughs> but you know, yeah. yeah, it's not something you. You weren't advertising it, but you knew you had a sense it's what you needed, and and, and, and that there was something there just was, that you wanted to resolve, but you didn't really the, have a grasp. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. exactly it. There's something you just think, if I could just switch the light on, mm. then, you know, mixing my metaphors up horrifically here, but, you know, switching the light on and even putting that umbrella down that I mentioned before. Yes. Sorry. Right. Um, <laughs> no, it's... But yeah. that didn't create this different aura because yeah. it always felt it was this kind of, you know, you keep going and bang, you mm. keep hitting something. Um and it wasn't a matter of working out how to sort of get through the, you know, to get to the next level. You actually had to solve the reason why you couldn't get there. You know, so yeah, run, run harder, faster. But if, you, if your legs feel like lead, then you, however mm. hard you try, you can't. Yeah. And I think that was the issue. So, so when, <coughs> excuse me, when I first sort of came to see you, that was really the kind of thing. I wasn't quite sure what would be involved, what the journey was. I kind of, you know, I'd read the sort of, Dummy's Guide to CBT, or at least the introduction yeah. to it. So I kind of had a vague idea what it was for. And I don't think it looked like that, did it? No, it certainly didn't look like that at all, thank goodness. I mean, that's actually right. one of the really positive things, that, right. you know, it wasn't that, and that's not the approach that, mm. that we, we then took. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that whole initial process was, one, you feel it kind of lifts a lid, because it's actually an opportunity, you also, as we were saying before, this whole thing about getting the right therapy is quite hard. Yeah. So, to start with, there's a little bit of actually just make sure that, you know, it, it kind of feels like we're going to go in the right direction. And did it um, feel like that? Did you get that sense? It, yeah, I mean, my from pretty early on, I recognised mm. that the things that we were talking about were more geared around the stuff that was that I needed to do rather than the stuff that it would be nice to move on to later mm. and also got into that sort of state. So, um, I mean, and I think quite quickly through the sort of the process, and this goes back to, what, the end of 2015, mm. so it was quite a while ago. Yes, yeah. One of the things that you did very quickly mm. was was probably the most critical paradigm shift for me which was simply opening Mary Welford's book yes. on page seven, whatever it was, and showing yeah. me that the diagram. That diagram yeah. Which, to be honest, if I want to, mm. you know, if I had to sum this up in one line, that's the diagram okay. that has fundamentally so changed So, for people everything. listening, that what I'm also I'm trained in CBT and compassion-focused therapy and EMDR, so I introduced quite quickly to um, compassion-focused therapy, which is quite a different so, approach. So, yeah, I think you, you're. Um, if the right word is diagnosis, your initial sort of conclusions were that we needed to do something other than sort of CBT. Yes. Which, yeah. to be honest, that that was. I mean, I wasn't. That's fine. I, it wasn't the thing you I was concerned about. I was actually one. quite happy to, you know, that mm. you do. You know, effectively do a diagnosis and then go. Okay, this is what I see. This is what I think. Yes. So at that yeah. stage. And then I remember going through the model with you, the compassion focused therapy. 
model the three systems and mm. do you remember what you said when I said about the green yeah, system? Yeah, I mean I looked at it and thought the soothing system was just like, oh, mm. that's really weird because I'd spent my whole life not realising that, well actually suppressing any sort of thing about that, I mean it's just like to me this concept of self-compassion yeah. prior to seeing that diagram was beyond weird yes, it just felt yeah. really so to self-care, to have compassion for yourself was an absolute alien concept so, wasn't it so in the model just for people listening there's three systems, we have a threat system a drive system and then the soothing kind of affiliation system in our brains and for really good mental well-being we need those three areas working in, in kind of balance and harmony yep. together and quite often it's not unusual for me to talk about the threat system and anxiety people know what that is the drive mm. system being motivated driven towards the things that we want they get that and relate to mm. it and then I go and then there's a the soothing system and people go what and yep. it's so dangerous uh, you know it's so it's, we live it, life it, with me when even more than that because yeah with me, if any, because you know there are plenty of but you know there are you, you see some people you hear people talk about this whole concept of liking yourself mm. um, or you know even worse loving yourself and I just thought it was plain odd um, mm. and I just couldn't you know the whole that whole sort of concept of you know something that was even reasonable to consider was just beyond my comprehension and then I saw this diagram and thought mm, maybe I got that wrong so you started to get curious about... Well, I think as well, the other thing that was a, an interesting link was um, somewhere about a year, a year or two before, mm. actually the first time I saw you, I'd, been, I'd consumed the um, Steve Peters book. Oh, yes, The, the Chimp Paradox. paradox. Yeah. Um, I'd gone through that, and there's an awful lot of really, really useful stuff in that. Yeah. And different times of different reasons that book has been incredibly helpful to mm. me you know um, dealing with some of the issues that one of my children has had yeah understanding the whole sort of split you know like the sort of human aspects and sort of the rational aspect of the mind and then the chimp which is mm. you know in her case could be translated to sort of her and then this anorexic version of herself mm. and so that model what he was what he says in the book is really powerful however for me what I learned was there was a fundamental component of his thinking that was missing or mm. at least it wasn't explicit enough in the model yeah. to actually chime with me so when I saw the that the the CFT model with yeah. the three it was like goodness me mm. there is one of them I maybe I'd never even considered yeah. I certainly haven't so it's almost a soothing system as a way to calm down the chimp isn't it yeah if we use that so the and word sort of prior to yeah. that I sort of thought the way to calm down the chimp was almost through a you know the drive system the of drive being system, rational yeah. rather than actually that self-compassion Yes, yeah. and the problem with that is the dry system is also exhausting. It's only effective while it's working and it can collapse, cause depression, we get burnt out. Yep. So it, it doesn't always work, whereas, so we need to kind of build up our soothing compassion system. It's all started to fit into place. So how do you relate to yourself now from well, that? Well, to be honest, my mindset has changed. That, that diagram, mm. which is actually 
still pinned above my is desk it? in my office at home because it's so important. Yeah. I mean, I don't look at it every day. No, it's changed it's, my life as well. There, it's, yeah, and it's yeah. just it just made it was yeah. absolute you know the paradigm shift. And it's from the work of Paul, Professor Paul Gilbert that's in Derby, and I know you've gone on to read quite a lot of his I've, books. I've um, yeah, I've read his stuff, which um, is quite. It's quite a heavy read, but it's well worth the effort. Cause yes. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. You know, I recommend it to to everybody. I mean, a lot of the stuff in there, I, I learnt so much mm. from what he's got to say and the thinking and the and also with the book, the examples and the the context and the application. Yeah. Um, mm. and so many things that you can kind of relate to. Yes. So yeah. you know, there's something in there. Um, where he talks about you know being a frustrated guitarist frustrated yes. rock star and it's the same thing it's like you know yeah it'd been great I'd want to, but there was no from my point of view you know yeah I'd love to have picked that up and when I was a child you know I got a guitar and I got a keyboard but I never had the application so we can cultivate lots of different versions of ourselves effectively yeah exactly yeah and um, he talks a lot about evolutionary psychology how we can get more control over our mind and cultivate uh, a version of ourselves that's got a lot more resilience because we're a lot more self-compassion compassionate so it softens the self-criticism and um and shame that a lot of us struggle with and also almost to put that in context using that musical Mm. analogy you go back to that first session of therapy that i had one of the things that the 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 therapist i saw then said is why don't you because we talk this sort of thing about musical interest why don't you go and just get a piano and just play for yourself yeah and my view was at the time it's like why would i do that Right. If I'm going to play a piano, it's so I can go and perform somewhere. Mm. And, and now, you know, and it's like if I got a camera, it's so I can take pictures to put on display somewhere rather than just for my own entertainment. You know, so why not I just sit in a room and play a piano and sort of mm. just for fun? That makes sense now. Although I haven't actually done anything about a piano yet. <laughs> right, yet. But. Um, mm. You know, I could still be Katie Tunstall's um, backing band. <laughs> so you might cultivate that version of you. Well, time is running out, I suspect, yeah. but you never know. Um, but I, I could do it from the point of view of just doing it for my own mm. enjoyment. And I think that's the thing with having recognised a self-compassion system is you can do things like that. Yeah. And the only purpose is for your own, mm. um, you know, your own benefit your own value yeah and that actually and that's worth it and that has a value yeah. in itself and i think it's important sometimes that we understand how our minds work and what's in play with our minds because we need to know why it's like lots of people have heard mindfulness is a good idea but they don't really know why and how it affects the brain and the, the all the benefits and the science behind it and what the work Paul Gilbert's done is given us the science, hasn't it? Yeah. And explained this is how our brains work. They are really tricky. We have to cultivate different parts of our brain. And, and that's one of the things that you start to dig into in a bit more detail. Yeah. You know, it's kind of worth it because it puts a lot of context yes. in yeah. there. So, um, you know, and that then the context means, you know, that understanding means you actually take it more seriously yeah. and actually realise it isn't, you know, there is actually a reason why it's working. Yes, yeah. Um, and you know the, the fact that you, well, the fact from my point of view, the fact that I understood a bit more about it. Mm. You know, I'm never going to be, you know, um, an academic expert in the subject area. But the fact that I know a bit more behind why, yeah, helps to join up the slightly bigger dots. 
Absolutely. I mean, and that's, yeah. you know, again, something, something that I do recognise how, how my mind works is to be able to see that bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I've been very keen to sort of go, you know, to, to go through that understanding. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and what I learned from, from his, what I've learned of his material is it's been rather truly worth that. And yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's, it's really, I'll link to all the books that you've mentioned as well. And then we took a, a little, another kind of, went down another angle and I remember talking to you about EMDR and it was very kind of I don't know if this will work and I but I also do this other therapy eye movement desensitization reprocessing which is there for the treatment of trauma so if I'm going to use it on something quite different or you know or something that we're kind of is it trauma is it not you were kind of presented with I don't know if this will kind of work this is what I do, this is how it works. Do you want to give it a go? Do you remember that? I, I do, very very much so. Um, mm-hmm. And in a way, the reason I, I, I was kind of quite um, relaxed about having a go was because the CFT thing was working so well. Right. Therefore, if you like, I had some um, belief that if you had kind of had an idea, it mm-hmm. wouldn't have been you know, I know, number sort of, treatment number 35 on the list and 1 to 34 haven't worked. So, so you yes, know, it's like... yeah, it, things were working. Things were working, we were kind of going, you know, things mm. were getting better. And here was something, and, yeah, so I was, I felt very comfortable mm. to to give an idea which, you know, I still don't pretend to understand why it works. I'm not sure I do either. But it's a phenomenal but therapy, isn't it? Um, what was your experience of EMDR like then for you? So, so the process as a as a recipient of it is is kind of quite is quite odd, because um, what I remember about it was, um, and this isn't this isn't going to be terribly accurate, but it's my sort of you know, and mm. years later perception of it is you focus on a an experience which is sort of in inverted commas traumatic, and the feelings and thoughts that you had sort of around that. So I was carrying around an awful lot of really negative things about sort of people's attitude towards me or, um, yeah, it's very, very straightforward. You know, both my parents had died and I had this vision of them sort of sitting somewhere just, you know, up in heaven, looking down, being extremely negative about everything I was doing, every decision I was making, um, which isn't, when you think about it from your own sort of mindset point of view, it's not terribly um, positive or constructive. Had you realised you were walking around carrying on with your life with that kind of I, I actually, it was actually almost quite physical. I actually yeah. genuinely believed yeah. that they, that, you know, and I was sort of almost taking little things or symbols or things that happened as a sign that they were, so it was yeah. kind of... So you're looking for evidence to match that belief. I was. Which, um, and we know when we look, we find it. Yeah, so exactly. So it and it was stronger it was, and stronger. That's However, absolute, it, was, it certainly can't have been positive. No, <laughs> Let's at least phrase it that way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, potentially is quite impactful and quite mm. negative because it certainly screws or skews your thinking. Gosh, absolutely. Um, it lowers your mood. And so yeah. going into the EMDR with that as a kind of backdrop mm. um, and, and that as a sort of thing to focus on, the actual process of the... Mm of the sort of the, I can't remember the buttons and the eye movement and stuff. Yes. You, you go through it and you think, hmm, what well, kind of interesting, I don't see how it's going to, what that's going to yeah. do. 
And, and I'll be quite honest, that, well, what I can say objectively is, subsequent to that point, a lot of that, or pretty much all of that thinking dissipated, just disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Um, staggeringly, quickly. Mm. Um, which was, you know, I kind of thought when it first happened, it's like, yeah, fine, it'll all just kind of creep back. But it hasn't. It's quite a shock, isn't it? When it's, you can change something so powerfully. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and as I say, it, it was a, probably, you know, like, it was a second major step from the yes, from the diagram yeah. to that because that kind of cleared the decks of a lot of yes, stuff. the past stuff. And then it yeah. meant you could get away from a negative mm. dynamic and almost move into a more positive. So you're not dynamic. carrying past traumas and kind of. You're not trying all. to worry about how to deal with, yeah. you know, because you can have a kind of behavioural thing about. Let's just suppress the fact that every time you do something, you think one of your parents is going, "Oh my god," mm. um, yeah. you know, whatever it was about. Um, now you're thinking in a much more sort of positive light mm. and you know I mean, it also helped to look at that from the point of view of you know, my attitude towards my kids the mm. idea that you know, I would have that mindset about them mm. is beyond ridiculous mm. um, yeah. and you know I want to make sure that you know kind of they knew that um, and I thought hang on if you play that the other way around it actually so it almost became you so disrespectful disrespect, disrespectful about your own parents that you would think they could think like that yes. and it's like oh, yeah okay that actually doesn't so make sense so you were able to really kind of unpick it yeah yeah and you know some of the things that i taken as signs you know it was like come on Pete grow up it's mm. you know it's it, it's you just making stuff so you up. were able to see and through so it whereas before you things could in a different way yes. what's interesting on that point is mm. last year when i read Johan Hari's book mm. um, about lost connections mm. he actually talks about exactly the same thing in terms of because the link which is still a bit to me is still a bit uncomfortable if I'm honest is is the link that we kind of made to some of those things I was thinking and trauma right. because I would never have described and I'm still not comfortable using the term you know right. that was trauma in my childhood mm. um, but when he describes it and you know that, that was I mean I kind of went with it and we did EMGI yeah. and it worked but still the link between stuff that happened when I was a child and trauma was a bit yes yeah that's really interesting because I ask a lot of people and any trauma in your past and that's I probably need to rethink how I ask people completely actually because so many people go no not at all but they carry stuff or difficult events, hold it very physically, or you know. But they won't see it as trauma, and you and you're quite uncomfortable as seeing some past stuff as trauma, it, difficult experiences. And, and, and the the connection is that trauma is something you know, um, like, um, you know, like being abused as a child. Right. And I mean that's that's kind of the perception, and you know, absolutely wasn't that you know. My parents did nothing other than try and do what was right for me, yes. ever, absolutely. Yeah, they were trying the absolute best. And, and the yeah. thing that kind of gave me permission to think this a little bit was when Johan Hari talks about exactly the yeah. same stuff. His parents, he says, my parents were the same. Mm. But the point is, they sort of were brought up with their own backgrounds and perceptions yeah. and ideas of life. So they, they see the world through a lens, mm. and then they treat you effectively through that lens. Yes. And so that lens will affect 
mm. you know, how you sort of you develop your thinking. So it's not sort of trauma in the... No, and it's nobody's fault, so yeah, we're all doing the best we can. But exactly. And having mm. accepted that, then you look at it in a much more positive way. Yes. And yeah. that sort of begins to be... Mm. you know how you deal with it yeah um, that's um, very not to be called kind of co- creating a compassionate narrative for your experiences and really. yeah, and, yeah and that whole thing about narrative has become really important absolutely it's yeah. hugely important what have been the key aspects to you kind of um putting the umbrella down is that what you you know and kind of your recovery and feeling better and i think right so those two, yeah. so one, I, I guess the recognising that I was allowed to turn on my soothing system, well first of all recognising that maybe I had one in there, yeah. there was a book somewhere in my brain that hadn't been unpacked, mm. and then actually switching it on, and that was allowed, was mm. woo. I yeah. think that it was allowed, as, 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 you know, it was a massive mindset shift. Mm. The second thing was having a lot of that um, background thinking sort of stripped away. Yeah. Um, meant that I could move from being kind of, it was a negative sort of view to more, more, much more sort of positive view. Mm. Um, and that certainly cleared, you know, that provided a new kind of platform, a new sort of starting position yeah. without any doubt. And then from there, you were now in a much more kind of, okay, let's, let's be more sort of progressive. So in terms of, if you like, mm. you know, what I'd like to achieve in terms of being successful, I wouldn't say I've achieved that much of it yet but at least I'm actually in a position where I can work out plans to do it and rather than work mm. out plans that I then sort of instantly smash up with a massive hammer right you know just right. for the fun of it yeah. so at least we're now sort of you know you can see a way forward mm. um, and you know sometimes I think don't you feel a bit frustrated it took until now to get there and actually it's that instinct well no at least I've done it yes yeah yeah it'd be yeah. nice if I've been 20 years younger when it happened or 30 years younger mm. at least it's happened now it's happened, better than yeah. it happening when I'm 85 absolutely is there anything you do daily do you have any daily practices or things you do now yes I am not perfect at this but I do try much more now to have that kind of break time mm. so um, so I'm much more disciplined about things like one um, sleep Yes. Um, I had a while, a few not that long ago, mm. which you are aware of, um, from conversations we've had, where I was basically getting significantly under six hours sleep yes. a night. Yeah. Um, I now get um, pretty much my seven hours average, give or take slightly. But generally, mm. uh, so that's become really important. And I, yeah. you know, um, when we've talked about that, I kind of went off and read. Matthew um, Walker's Wally Walk, Sleep Book. Wally so you've been very book. good at going away and reading all this stuff. You've become definitely um, very uh, well read around all I this. got 20% of the way through that and I thought, slam dunk. You know, it's not even... We have to sleep Before I understood well, more, or I've forgotten quite a lot of it now, but mm. before I, learned, I heard the science and read yeah. the science, I kind of thought, actually, it makes perfect sense. Mm. And then the more you sort of, the more sort of deeper yeah. you do, the more it just kind of emphasises it. So that's one. The other thing is, um, I do really make a conscious effort to kind of switch off. Um, so what I'm not very good at is the sort of 20 minutes a day with my headphones on, with uh, listening to um, Headspace or Calm. Right. But what I do do is I make a bit of a point of doing other things in a sort of a mindful way um, and so it sounds really stupid but 
it, for me it works. So like I brush my teeth right, mindfully. Yes. I wash my hands mindfully. I now wash my hands after you know like going to the loo far more than I ever used to because mm. I actually really you just take a moment and yeah. just enjoy that calm moment yeah so you've incorporated calm into lots of aspects of your diet yeah and washing up same although you know maybe I don't do that enough but <laughs> try and find ways so when I yeah. used to take the dog for a walk a lot of it was about it's quite a creative way of solving sort of work problems mm. I now don't do that it's I'm, you know that's yeah. you know I've don't allow that to happen. So you so chunk your time differently and have. So yeah. my dog walking time is now my calm time. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a brilliant little one of those little things, and I, I can't remember the Tibet the name of the Tibetan monk who I heard say this, but he says your um, your monkey mind can't think and sense at the same time. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. And so if you if you're in sense mode, and yeah. sense mode includes things as simple as concentrating on counting your breaths yeah or concentrating on the water flowing over your hands when you wash your hands mm. then actually it's impossible to think about problems so if you really concentrate on on the senses on, on the feelings sensing, and, and yeah I mean, the moment I, the, when i yeah. first heard it, it was i thought yeah yeah right whatever but when you actually try it it's, it works it absolutely works and doesn't it yeah. so you wash your hands for two minutes you had a two minute break yeah and you, yeah you're just the, calming down that that kind yeah, of limbic the, system the, the, the noise system. the white noise in your head mm. it's just calm down a little bit it's far more efficient yes it is isn't bizarrely it? yeah it's, it, it feels like so basic on some respects doesn't it but it's keeping it simple and it this stuff really works it's, this is the thing I mean there are other things I mean you know, there's a whole yeah. list of things you know like yeah. one and again none of this is things that you know I'm perfect at but mm. I try you know don't look at a screen just before you go to bed yeah um, you know try and actually spend some time out in the fresh air you know, go for a walk every day, even if I'm working away. Yeah. I try and, and I try and go for a walk which is, you know, vaguely green. Yeah. Um, you know, actually go and enjoy that kind of the mm. just take a deep breath and and those sort of things, while it all sounds a little bit you know, like oh, I've got a busy life, I can't I haven't got time for that. Yeah. It's really important because you can spend fifteen hours a day working and you work so inefficiently yes if you yeah. take an hour you know even an hour or two out to just mm. whoosh, calm down recharge reset yeah then it's, it's phenomenal mm. big big difference yeah it's fantastic and recently you wrote a very honest and and really useful blog that incorporates some of these strategies and some of the mm-hmm. the works that you've read as well about your experiences and i'll share the article i know writing about your experience is really difficult because I've done it myself so it's very exposing you feel very vulnerable and I've, some of the feedback I've had is that they've re- from people that have read your blog is that they'd like to write but people are nervous about it understandably mm. it's quite difficult to put yourself out there can you tell us about a little bit about the process of writing how you found it and kind of uh, yeah um I mean, there, there, there were kind of two sides to it. One was mm. the was the writing part, and the other is the publication part. Yes. Um, the writing, and, and so therefore the the blog is kind of, in one sense, therapeutic and cathartic for me. On the other mm. sense, if it actually is useful for the people, yes, and it has been. Yeah, that's yeah. actually 
for me that's very um, mm. empowering and yeah. that's great that's 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 good and you know if I can if it is helpful then you know that's that's brilliant yeah. and, you know if we can all as uh, you know society we sort of learn and share experiences yes. then, then then that's very good and so I think one of the things that got to there was the realization that it wasn't just me therefore if there are other people who benefit from it mm. then actually there are a lot of other people in the same situation and that in a sense like for me now to sort of share that but prior to that for me to know that it wasn't just me yes it's actually quite um usually an enabler it's usually yeah. empowering yeah um and so yeah the, the was article, it difficult to write it it was and it was it took it did take a little while yeah. um and there were a few kind of false starts and things like that but it was some of it was made easier as I said before with mm. that like that stuff I read in Johan Hari's book kind of gave me permission to write some things down right. it would have been before I'd read that it would have been almost impossible to write down something which might suggest that there was something traumatic came out of the way I was brought up right. having said that yeah. you know I certainly emphasised my parents never did anything that was anything but absolutely no. designed to be as helpful as possible however maybe some of their thoughts, beliefs, whatever, meant that it wasn't terribly helpful for what I needed at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that happens. Um, and so writing it down, actually just understanding the, the logic and the connections um, was really important. And the thing that, when I started, I didn't, I hadn't actually planned was what actually became more than half of the blog, which was the sort of the 15 lessons. Yes. At the end, because that was a bit that was kind of the really sort of powerful bit. And that started really as I'd made some notes of the stuff I'd read in books that was quite mm -hmm. useful. Yeah. And then it sort of dawned on me that I haven't gone through the story about, okay, this is where I got to, so this is what happens next. And these are the things that you know, I think are really powerful for, for me to act as a reminder, mm. you know, but also they're useful for the people. Then, yeah. you know, it's really useful to kind of pull it all together, isn't it, and go through yeah. everything you've done. and. And you know, and for me, it was useful to kind of just probably if I did the list again tomorrow, it possibly wouldn't be the quite the same fifteen. Right. But it's a pretty good list yeah. of the things which have made a real big difference to me. Yeah. You know, so as an example, there's one thing um, which I actually referenced back to somebody I work for, um, who said to me, "Don't do self-deprecation. Just mm. don't do it." Yeah. Um, because a lot of my humour before that had been, well, humour and a lot of my sort of, you know, sort of narrative had been a little bit based on that. Yeah. And she said, look, yeah, it might be funny, but just don't go there. No. And, mm. and I thought, actually, yeah, and I don't know. Mm. Fantastic. But very rarely. Yeah. And when it's definitely in a safe sort of environment. Mm. Um, if you could go back in time, what would you say to your 15-year-old self? Be, um, what advice would you give him? That is a really good question because I, I do think about this in terms of what I yeah. say to my own children now yes. I suppose the th what I've learned the, the key thing I've learned and the easiest thing is this, this that paradigm shift that happened when I was a lot more than 15 it would have been extremely useful to have had that um, mm. sort of explained to me at the time yeah. and it would have also been useful around that to understand you know, some of the sad and 
you know, absolutely real truths of life. You know, life isn't fair. Yes. You know, bad things happen. You yeah. know, nice people don't win, usually. Yeah. You know, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, and also the fact that, you know, you're not the only one who's, you know, kind of got... So we're all in it together and we're all struggling. Yeah, and, so even yeah. when somebody at mm. school comes across as very sort of self-confident and uh, mm. what sits below that... Actually, somebody who comes across as arrogant is actually probably very, very self. Um, they've got an awful lot of self doubt. Yeah. But they use that to yeah. as, a, as disguise rather than maybe the way that I disguised it was by not disguising it by just being apologetic mm. and using humour to, you know, say, hey, look, I know I'm not really very good, but you know, so that's why, you know, so no, so nobody would be surprised mm. when I wasn't very. So there's good. more behind the way so, people act and behave and what they say. And maybe more yeah. realization of that. Mm. would have allowed me to be to feel a right to be more confident mm. because actually I wasn't actually any different from everybody else yeah. I just got into this spiral maybe of believing my own re- um, narrative too much so that's a complicated answer but that's the kind of oh, thing I wish yeah. I know more about yeah. and yeah. that I would want to go back and try and you know it feels you know, like we all could have known it would have been useful for all of us to know that we're all struggling we're yeah. Or we all, you do kind of think of quite a bit more self-focused as a teenager, aren't you? And you just think, it's, it's me, it's only me going through all this. And, you, know, you do. Yeah. And some people bruise through it by being, mm. you know, actually having natural self-confidence or, mm. or they, 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 like they hide the doubts behind something. Yeah. And where that comes from in terms of, oh, many you know, the narrative areas, they've had from, yeah. you know, from the, you know, whatever mm. world is around them. Yeah. Um, and maybe you know the world that's around that was around me or that's around mm. you from other people means that it's different. Yeah. And I mean, I look at those kind of conversations now because I'm working with a lot of graduate, uh, fairly recent right. graduates, and so just dealing with you know sort of they you come away from finishing a degree as you know top of the of the world, mm. and you start work and suddenly you're back at. You know, you're not even on level. You know, the first step, mm. and the kind of things, and it's that whole kind of experience and adoption into the world of work, and you know, some yeah. people just breeze into it. Others just need that help and support. And so you think, guide, you know, you want to put, you know, give them that support. Put the rock, put your arms around them, and just sort of say, look. Actually, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. You, if you're going to make a mistake, it's fine. Just do it. But yeah. to do it and get over it and recover and learn from it mm. and learn. Yeah, it's fantastic. And lots of people listening to this might be considering, that might be able to relate to your story and then yeah. be thinking about having therapy. What would you advise them? Because I think it's quite a scary, you know, lots of people choose not to because of fear or nerves. Or, yeah, absolutely. Or having, I think it's been really useful what you said, is that you didn't, you didn't really have a grasp of what the problem is. You don't have to come to therapy with the, it all figured out, do you? you well, no, you can't. And I think if you, the thing is, one of the important things that I learned was that when you are in a point where you either get pushed into it or decide to start, you're probably at a point where you are fairly vulnerable, you're fairly exposed, yes, yeah. and consequently your capacity to sort of rationalise, well, the very nature of needing, of needing to go into therapy means your ability to rationalise is at least slightly mm. damaged, um, and that makes it a bit more difficult. So the diagnosis process is actually really important and the problem that I had was I guess I got it wrong quite a few times 
before... Maybe you didn't get it wrong. Maybe that was part of your journey. It was maybe part of the journey. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Um, and I, but I, it's like, you're right, I didn't get it wrong because I didn't actually know what, what I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things is you've got to be kind of quite objective because you get into a situation, and I remember one period of time that I spent talking to somebody who was essentially a business coach, mm-hmm. but who said that they would do, they would got a more um, psychological background. Right. Right. And, and I kind of wanted to believe it because yeah. I wanted yes. it to get to the answer, and I wasted yes. an awful lot of time, oh, frankly, an awful gosh. lot of money mm-hmm. on something which was never going to, which yes. was not the right base yeah. issue. And I should have spotted that sooner, maybe. Um, and that's so I think that's one of the things that people need to do how could you have spotted that earlier I think being quite difficult but I think I can say this sort of you know in hindsight and Mm. yeah I needed to be a bit more sort of have two sort of sides to my brain on this one was to sort of immerse myself in the the, the therapy or the 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 coaching the second have a much more dispassionate view which was actually is this really do you think this is really helping? So being a lot more reflective of, yeah. uh, am I getting out of and this? Being, what and I being need? prepared to be more challenging. Right, okay. And that um, can be difficult if you come to therapy and you're a bit vulnerable, can't it? Yeah. But I suppose sometimes I think people get a sense it, it's not right for them and it's listening to that. But then sometimes therapy, effective therapy, therapy can be very difficult. So it can feel like it's not right, but it's kind of working through um, that. So it's... And I think, I think that's a really important, that's a really, really important point because you have to go through a journey. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that to get to a good outcome, you have to accept some uncomfortable truths. Mm. And so, yeah, it can be quite difficult, but the process through that and some of that realisation, actually you can, you, you need to be able to sense it's heading in a direction. You build that kind of yeah. empathy up. The other thing, I mean, just so just going back to the original question, because it does build on the same thing, is you need you need to spend some time as well with other people and talk to people. Mm. So this stuff about connections to me is really important. Yes. So yeah. therapy is one part of it, but it's actually the if you like as important as the homework. Mm. Is the yeah. you know reflecting on what you talk about. Yes. Actually, get people around you, and this was something I was terrible at initially mm. was have people around that you can talk to and share things with yes. and that is um, so you're not on it doing it alone and, and yeah. also I mean one of the things that shocked me is you know over the past sort of four or five years I've changed my attitude about talking to people about I mean obviously and mm. and now there's a lot more acceptance and awareness of you know thankfully for a lot of fairly high profile people have come yes, out and said yeah. you know they've got mental health problems when you then follow up and have conversations with other people um, you know based on something you've read in the press or um, you know mm. Prince Harry has sort of talked about so then it becomes a yeah. you know water cooler conversation and then you suddenly find that people open up mm. and actually an awful lot of people you would never have expected actually say oh yeah and I'm you know like working from home you know I find working at home quite often quite difficult yes, and I was talking yeah. to somebody a couple of days ago I can't remember how it, it came up because I was working at home um, and they said oh yeah I used to do that and it was awful I nearly went over the top I nearly went over the edge yeah, it's like yeah. what? Yeah. and then we got into a conversation and it was just I never ever 
I spotted that, but you know, and that was another man. So the fact yeah. that we were having a, a conversation about mental well-being was like, yeah. whoa, hang on, you don't go there. Yeah. But you know, brilliant. It's fabulous. I hear that all the time. That actually, when you say I'm struggling or something, people are completely like, I am too, and will share their stories. But somebody's got to start, and people are starting. You know, so it's it's still mm. hard, but it's getting a lot easier. I think. Uh, I think do you people... work in a very male-dominated area, do you? No, uh, right. not particularly. Um, it's probably less male-dominated than a lot right. of industries. Um, but I work in a very competitive industry. Right. Where people are... We talk about, you know, being very, mm. you know, open and... It's like, yeah, of course we do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in reality, you know, the whole thing is a lot more kind of competitive and cliquey and, right. you know, um, little sort of, you know, internal so politics. There's some way to go before it embraces compassionate space. We, I would like to say that the um, people I work around at the moment would say that we take a more open mm. attitude. Um, but I think in reality, that it, maybe we do a bit, but it's still a long way to go. Right. And That's we're probably at the the more progressive end of the spectrum. Right. There's a lot of organisations who, um, and certainly in the industry I work, who are um, very dog-eat-dog. Right. Um, and it's actually not very efficient, not very effective. No. But it, well, apart from the individuals who have to survive through it and come out at... Uh, you know, senior levels with huge salaries, mm. um, then it kind of works. But the number of stories that you hear anecdotal about people who get to that level and then effectively explode. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, there's so probably a lot of untold stories there, isn't there? And then see, I know Paul Gilbert's started to do a lot of work of bringing compassion into the workplace. He's it's something that one of my sort of steps forward, that's something. Yeah. I'm, because of what I do, which is all about helping businesses to change and helping mm. businesses to adapt to new technology, for example, the whole thing about that and what Paul Gilbert is trying to do mm. around that, about introducing this kind of compassion-focused therapy to work, is really mm. something which absolutely fascinates me and something I'm, mm. I'm determined to because actually Because it would increase productivity and well-being, reduce sickness, reduce stress. Well, we... we help people work together I mean it, it yeah yes I mean in my view we're heading for um, a mental well-being tsunami mm. but actually what I mean is a big problem because of the way the work is going to change yes and we have to change the way that we address that and, and, and yeah. adapt to that yeah. I mean for what it's worth and at risk of advertising I did a post on LinkedIn a while ago mm. which was slightly inaccurately called why Facebook is more important than Brexit Right. What it was actually about was why the whole issue about ways of working and adapting to technology and adapting, you know, the, the, the connection between mental health and the way that mm. technology is going to change our working lives, mm. that's where our governments should be focusing, not on some silly rules about whether we're inside of, you know, yeah. Yeah. that will go one way or the other. But this is a much bigger problem mm. and, and it's going to take a lot more work. So, on one hand, I see it as a real positive because it's an opportunity to sort of really get into that, which would be a brilliant way of spending some time in my career. Yes, yeah. 
you know, as opposed to not doing it, which is actually the risk of it's quite scary. Yeah. Um, so it was, a, mm. it was a big opportunity. It's like, I mean, if we don't do it, we've got a really massive problem to solve. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. So. It's really useful. It's very interesting. I think it'll get some lots of people talking and put a spotlight so. I mean, on that's, things. Uh, you know, to get the yeah. debate going. And, yeah. Know, I can, uh, if you can do that and I can take part in it, that would be, yeah. be fabulous. Yeah. So if people wanted to contact you, where do they get uh, hold of you? Right. Um, so this LinkedIn. Is the, this is the bit where I kind of trot out my Twitter handle. But, um, yes. I, the, best, the better place is, actually, the, the place that I'm most active is LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and so you can find me on that, which isn't the thing. That, I am on Twitter. And do you have a LinkedIn handle? How does that help? Um, Yes, I'll tell you what, can we include it in the notes? Because, yes, yeah, uh, I'll include it all in the notes, yeah. I have yeah. a clue. <laughs> okay. um, and I have got a Twitter handle. We'll include it in the notes. Um, okay. We'll put that in the notes as well. Okay. I mean, I don't actually, I'm, I'm, to be honest, on things like Twitter, um, I'm more of a, of a consumer. Right. Of So LinkedIn's kind of so the maybe, best way. Maybe I should start, LinkedIn I'm more active on. Yeah. Um, so maybe I should, uh, maybe this would be a lever to me be a bit more active on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you are on Twitter, you need to look at the hashtag 365 days of compassion. That's one of the, say, I'm a consumer, that's one of the things I do. Oh, good, good, yes. fantastic. Yeah, so Winston is, um, is kind of definitely my, you know, people I want to get to know better. I mean, Rest. he'll be very open for that. Yeah, yeah. he's doing some fabulous He's got, he's work. actually got a that I think from conversations we've had, yeah. you know, he's got a sort of fairly similar sort of working background. Yes, yeah. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of people, I mean, some, uh, okay, more at the celeb level, you know, um, Matt Haig. Yes. Phenomenal books. Mm. Um, he's got an interesting Twitter account, hasn't he? Well, he's got um, a very diverse Twitter account. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I actually quite like it, but there was one point when he said something which really offended me. Um, right. I think I he tries to do that, do you think, sometimes? Chuck well, stuff out that gets people's backs up and you have to be... I can't remember what he said, but I mean, it, it's kind of, sometimes it comes across as being a little bit too exposed about mm. what's happening in his head, maybe. Um, but yeah. I, yeah. I like it. On, a, on balance, I like the fact that he's prepared to be quite open and yeah. I, I value yeah. it because actually it's, yeah. it kind of helps me make, to, it makes me think. And I, I love his writing. Yes, his yeah, novels as much as anything else because yeah. there's a you, you kind of know the background of what White yeah. says that yeah, um, so yeah, um, and there are a few similar kind of things which I follow on yeah. sort of Facebook or, or LinkedIn which are you know very um, informative and I probably aren't, I'm not really contributing as much as maybe I could but but hey, and I know you'll be open to people contacting oh, you absolutely. and. Yeah, I mean, and that would be fabulous. Yeah. I mean, again, because it, mm. two ways, because it will help me, and if I can help, yeah. I'm very, very open to that. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on to well, Ask the Therapist. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. It's been great, hasn't it? <laughs> thank you.